Well, this is it. The end of 2020. It's the first year we did the podcast. What does that mean, Cody? Time for the roundup. Alright, so this episode of the podcast, we are looking back at what we've done this year. This podcast was a product of COVID-19, which is amazing, even though we don't really talk about it, other than some of the post-discussions. But yeah, how has your time been? It's been a pretty wild and crazy year, I think, for everyone. I know both of us stayed working um, at our at our jobs. Which, yeah, yay, work. Yeah, yay, work. Which, obviously... I would consider myself lucky. Like I know obviously getting laid off or losing your job because of this would be a complete nightmare. So I'm not going to look, I'm not going to like try to point out like the downsides of getting a paycheck and working, but like it's been, it's still been a struggle with its own challenges of like going to work with all uh, the new restrictions and the new guidelines and uncertainty and everything. And I can only imagine for you who like works in a mall. Yeah. Like having to actually deal with people where I don't like that had to have been a complete disaster. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's nice because of how much control you have over people, which sounds like a shitty thing to say, but yeah, just like stopping people from all just like trying to jam themselves into your store and explain to people that you have a limit how many people can be in the store at once? What can we get ready for you? And they say, oh, I'm just looking. It's like, okay, great time to do that. But anyways. Yeah, like we're in the middle of a pandemic. I'm very happy that you're browsing right now. (laughs) (laughs) So the way that we're doing this episode is we're going to look back on the TV shows that we've watched, the movies we've watched, and the comic books that we've read. And what we're going to do is we're going to just talk about each one just a little bit about what we liked about them, why we picked them, And then we're going to maybe reorder one or two items in this episode, which is kind of exciting because I look at my list, I don't know about you, and there's some things I'm like, I wish that was higher, I wish this was lower. Yeah. Yeah, so we're going to have that opportunity, finally. Yeah, I think the way we've been doing the podcast is... uh, By the... the I was going to say by the cuff of our boots. (laughs) The seat of our pants. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, The way we've been doing it is by pretty much watching or reading something and then almost immediately discussing it. So a lot of our reactions are like very uh, almost knee-jerk reactions. So like if we watch something that makes us mad, our rating of it... I think that you've been the maddest. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I think the... When we... (laughs) I, I think a lot of it is good because we're getting to review things where... It's like very fresh in our minds, but a lot of things I definitely would like to go back and reassess because of I've had time to sit down and kind of it sat with me for a little bit. And I've been like, you know what? I I do give that guy credit for doing this or you know what? Like that actually was a little lazy and that kind of. So what you're saying is bodily harm just should go up higher. Oh, maybe. Oh, fuck off. No, (laughs) no. But but I think uh, a big one for me is I know like we trashed Veronica. But I kind of, not that I liked it, but I kind of have to give it a bit more credit for like, he, it's somebody's passion project that they're working on. And like, obviously, it has a fan base and and whatever. And yeah, but you're not going to get to do that on this episode, because that's that's the Patreon. No, that's true. But there's, (laughs) there's other examples on the non Patreon that I have take take that paper because we're sitting in front of each other, even though we're are we supposed to be I have no idea. Like comic book villains for me, maybe I would rate a little bit higher because it is 
Only because Danny Masterson's in it, right? Yeah, true. <laughs> no, but I would rate comic book uh, villains. Now that I've sat with it a little bit, I'd almost rate it higher just because it's an original idea and it's not high budget. And it was, and it, you know what I mean? Like there yeah. were a, a lot of things that didn't work in it so, for me. Yeah. What we're going to be doing is, because um, we haven't really gave details of how we're going to rearrange anything. Mm-hmm. One thing that is under the top 10, we can move up. Okay. One thing that is above the top 10, we can move down. Perfect. And that's it. Okay. So one thing can go up, mm-hmm. one thing can go down. Okay. And yeah, and I think that'd be the best solution because if you take everything like, let me just reorder this list, like, oh. Yeah. Like, I, yeah, it, you can't really reorder it. And I do like how we have, like I said, I like how we're we're doing the podcast and talking about the the books and movies as we're like immediately after watching them. I kind of enjoy how the list is like a gut reaction to everything every single time that you go to name you're like oh look at all the shit that we watched or read like i don't even know where to put this yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) so let's start out on tv shows because that one's super simple yeah there's there's two tv shows let's let's start from the bottom up number two which is also the first tv show that we watched was clerks the animated series i made you watch the first two episodes and I told you, you cannot watch just the first episode without seeing the second episode, since the second episode is a, a flashback <laughs> episode of the first episode. I'll let you go first of your feelings on that. I did not like it <laughs> for many reasons, but I think I still have mixed feelings about it because obviously I we I did a little bit of research into it after we watched it to kind of read up on when it came out and, and stuff. But it's one of those things where because I was looking up information on the show, like my phone basically is like, oh, you're interested in Clerks the Animated Show? Anytime you log on to YouTube, it's like here's somebody professing their love about the show on YouTube. And it kind of made me realize it's kind of like I, I kind of see it a bit from your eyes where Kevin Smith has fans that really enjoy I don't even know what you would call it, like the Kevin Smith universe. Oh, yeah, the the Vuesque universe. Yeah, Yeah. like they really enjoy that. So I kind of maybe went a little too hard on it because I think this is an interesting like half hour, easily digestible show in the Kevin Smith universe. And for people who, who love that and his fans, I could see this being great. Maybe my issue with Clerks the Animated Series was... It followed a bit too much of a formula of other animated shows that came out kind of during the same time period, like adult kind of, you know what I mean? Like kind of the uh, family guy, American dad, South Park. Yeah, I know uh, on the commentary for it, they mentioned that they came out at just the worst time where prime time was lousy, not in the fact that, and I'm, this is like paraphrasing, yeah. not in the fact that. The programs were lousy. It was just, there was one point of Fox, like, I think it was like Sunday nights was like a big premiere night or a new episode night for yeah. cartoons. And it was like for three or four hours. It was just like half an hour cartoon show. Yeah. So you had Family Guy, Simpsons, the PJs. Yeah. Like all like that Claymation Eddie Murphy TV yeah. show. Yeah. And they said like, you just had this massive block, um, King of the Hill, like all those at once. And Clerks came out at that point. Where it was just, it was a bad time for it to come out. And they were on the worst station of all for ABC. Like, it was a Disney yeah. channel they were on. You're like, holy shit, Clerks is on Disney? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and that's what I mean. It's like, I think for me, 
it kind of got lost in the noise of like adult like mature animated comedy i'm not a huge kevin smith fan to begin with so that wasn't really like enough to like to draw me to that singular program versus the other ones so i would say maybe i went a bit too hard on it but in some respects like i did not i did think like a lot of it kind of was lazy and i think that kevin yeah yeah, you have to be a fan of that in order to enjoy the show but i think that kevin smith does have like i would definitely rate this pretty low as far as kevin smith things like i thought i think he has much more entertaining and much more well-crafted like movies yeah i know that when i was editing that episode i texted you it's like oh this is i hate editing this because you hated it so much yeah which i don't know and that's kind of like what i'm kind of now that i sat with it i'm like maybe i hated it too much like it did have a couple funny jokes and stuff but i don't know i would i'm for me i'm still gonna leave it rated at the bottom of our TV oh, yeah. shows. It's basically, do you want to put this over uh, the Odyssey right now? You're like, I like the Odyssey. Which brings us to the Odyssey. What a great show. Yeah. And they might reboot it. I- I'm yeah. hoping. We w- we only watched the first episode for that. But yeah, like, that's one that I still want to buy on DVD and, like, have it on my shelf. But I don't want to spend, like, $80 Canadian on yeah. three seasons of a show that never got completed. I would, like, what we were talking about is, like, I would love to see, because it's Omni. Omni, yeah who has the copyright on it, I would love to see if you purchased it from... Like, I almost want to go splitsies on it with oh, you. Oh, I guarantee you it's video on demand. So it's going to be like DVDRs, like burnt discs. Yeah, like I, but I, I'm very curious to see like what it comes shipped with. <laughs> like if it's going to be like a, a printer DVD... You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm wondering like if it's going to have like French audio option as well, or if it's just like, no, here's English. And if they're just VHS rips. Yeah, like, that's what I mean. Like, I'm so curious because, like, no one has ever been like, I'm going to get in touch with Omni and ask for a, a an actual copy of uh, the physical media. <laughs> yeah, just the fact that I emailed them, like, three years ago, being yeah. like, hey, how much is it? And they're like, $79 for the, for, I think it was, like, three DVD boxes. I'm like, okay, cool. And then this year, I was like, I'm going to email them again. Yeah. I found the original email, reached out. They're like, yeah, it's $79 for the three DVD yeah. box. I'm like, it's been three years. How is this still the same price? Nobody's looking for the show. No, it's, it's, and that's the reason is it's never been updated. Like, <laughs> it's like, well, sir, we haven't made our money back off of any that we've produced. It's one of those issues where when you have a piece of media that people are interested in and you can put it on sale or you can collect it or compile it or like redo it and re-release it then when you have that interest involved in it you have like fluctuating prices you come out and like season one is 39 dollars, then season two is 39 dollars, then season three is 39 dollars, and then a year later you go the complete series and instead of it being 120 dollars, you go it's 90 dollars, and then you go okay eventually it gets uh it gets packaged as like an omni classic and then it's like oh it's 49 dollars now it's like okay and then it's like hey we just redid it and upscaled it to blu-ray and and cleaned it up and and did whatever we got interviews with ryan Ryan reynolds we asked ryan reynolds if he remembers any of this and then um then they go okay now we're going to resell it for 90 dollars like that's what you kind of get but it's been such a static thing where like no one's done anything with it. There's been no interest in it. I think it just, if you have like access to uh, a computer at Omni 
that shows like everything they have their copyrights on. You just start typing in the Odyssey and the only thing they have is season one, two, and three put together and a price, like a a, a retail price or MSRP or whatever. Mm -hmm. That's, what is it, $79? Yeah, $79. And it's never changed because like they're nothing's ever changed with it like it's been forgotten about so i think both of us are fair to say that we're just going to keep our tv show list even because it's super small it's two things but yeah but the next item for next year so it's either next week or the week after is our third tv show which is kings finally yes yeah so tv that's good for us next is comic books we've read 16 comics either a single issue a mini series a trade paperback yeah, this um, this is so big. So let's try and blast through, and then at the end, yeah, we'll we'll re rank stuff on each of our lists because we're we are gonna be re ranking. So oh, yeah, for sure. Let's start. So at sixteen, we read Bill and Ted are Doomed, issue Ooh. number one. Yeah, um, my thoughts on that comic. Um, I love the it was the cover art from the alternate cover. Yeah, great. The inner art, meh. The story, meh. It didn't grasp me. I'm not a big Bill and Ted fan. That was that came out at the same time as the new movie. Yes. Yeah. Really could care less about it, to be honest. How do you feel about that book? I'm almost the exact same way. You, it had a really interesting like 90s alternative or 80s alternative comic cover, which I enjoyed. Yeah, it's a book based on like the Bill and Ted mythology, which I don't remember any of. Like it's... It was a movie. I saw it when I was a kid. It had a sequel. I always get the first and second movie scenes from them confused. I'm like, was this in the first one or the second one? Because they're kind of... I think I mentioned the only time I saw the movies was either on Fox 29 or TBS. Yes. And those were on, and I, I own them on DVD. Yeah. They're in my storage locker. Could care less about them. Could throw them out. Would be fine. When a huge chunk of the comic book focused on Death being the bass player in their band, and I didn't get it, and then I had to look at it, we looked it up that, like, in one of the movies, it's referenced that, like, when they go to, like, play in front of their high school, they're, like, play the Battle of the Bands, Death, like, plays the bass guitar in the background, and I'm like, okay, so for diehard fans, that's something they want to see explored, but, like, I just couldn't yeah care less like to, i guess the only way to really get me interested in a bill and ted property would be to take the characters who i kind of vaguely understand that they're kind of like these half-wit they're not like stoners or losers but they're just kind of like these half-wit surfer dude guys to put them in a new situation a good way to get me not interested in it is to like explore the mythos of like media i don't really care about or remember yeah <laughs> Next up is James Bond 007 Goldeneye, number one. Special Edition Tops presents that oh. long, long title. <laughs> I really like this book. I know that it's lower for both of us right now. But yeah, like if you like James Bond, you like the N64 game, you like the movie. This was like a given. It only made one issue of the three, I think it was. And yeah, it was just a discontinued comic. And I remember you saying that the story um, started out at, at a good pace, and then the artist or the writer goes, "Oh shit, this is only three issues. We need to we need to like write this faster." Yeah, the the first half of this comic book is great, and it would it, it would make for I think a really interesting ongoing if they 
I don't. Has anyone ever done ongoing James Bond comics? Dark Horse or Marvel did because Mike Grell did a bunch that we saw. Yeah, but were they all were they all based on movies or were they? I I probably I think they were. They're all okay. Because yeah, nobody wants to see an original James Bond story. I guess. Yeah, they did that with the video games, and And they did that with the books after. Oh, uh, did they? Yeah. I know they came out with like 007 books after Ian Fleming had died and everything. Yeah, like the the first half of this. I think it's because it's like copying the movie and the movie has like a whatever it is like 110 minute runtime or or whatever. The movie has the length to like pace everything out and actually tell a story. Like Goldeneye is a pretty well paced movie mm-hmm. and the comic kind of is like not <laughs> well no well the comic for the first half it's like let's just copy the movie's pacing. So by doing that you're giving the reader like a really good chance. Like you're, you're, you have all these amazing panels and you have all these great page, like the page layout's really great because it's so well paced. And then as soon as you realize somebody ran into the top's office and was like, guys, you only have eight pages left and we're not even a quarter of the way through the movie. And you're almost at the end of the first issue. The last eight pages of this book are just like, go, 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 go. And it just, it's so fast. And I could only imagine what the other two issues, like how fast they would have to sum everything up. I wonder what the other two issues were done and they just went on the shelf, never to be published. Probably. We'll reach out to Tops and they'll be like, we have no idea what the yeah. fuck you're talking about. <laughs> All right. And then above that, we have Veronica's The Albino Spider of Dijet. A masterpiece. Glenn's best work. Yeah, I think <laughs> I, I've only I've read this one in full. I've only seen panels from the other Veronica books. It would not surprise me if this is the best Veronica book. Oh, no, I've I've read a bunch of them. And yeah, like this one's this one's good. There's some great ones, which are more horrific. Oh, for sure. I, but I mean, like, intentionally good, not like... Oh, I don't I, know. Like, are they supposed to be good, his books? Yeah. Huh. I think there's a lot of Verotica comics that are unintentionally great because of how insane the art or the story is. And, like, the shock... Like, it's kind of like one of those things where when you're going for shock value, a good way is to, like, build up a slow burn. So I remember... I read a book by Martin Ames named Lionel Abso, and it's just kind of about like these degenerate bums in uh, London who like live in like, uh, I think they're called council homes or whatever. It's basically just like shitty apartments that like the city pays for and everything. Yeah. There's a scene in it where one of them left a baby alone in their apartment and there's a pit bull in the apartment. Oh no. And it's, and it's kind of like slow burns up and as you're reading it you're getting anxious being like oh my god like are they about to open the fucking door to this apartment and like there's a dead baby like it can't you know what i mean yeah. and it really builds that well and it's a shocking event and spoiler alert everything's fine um <laughs> but it's like a big shocking thing where you're like this is what it's building the reader up towards and Veronica is just like the opposite. Like Veronica, you turn the page and someone's just ripping their penis off and throwing it like a grenade. And you're like, this is hilarious. Like this is, I, I fully understand this is supposed to be horrifying and disgusting and shocking. But when it's that soon and that sudden and there's no there's no buildup or burn, here's something that like a teenager, or you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, that this is an art 
like an angsty art students like project where the teacher's exactly. like what the fuck but it's hilarious like yeah. when you when you look at when you turn the page and you see a naked woman and it's supposed to be erotic or sexual or anything but when it you look at it and the woman's waist is like the size of like the anatomy is just basically here's breasts like the woman is just composed of breasts and lips and a vagina and you're like did a 13 year old draw this and then it's like no a professional artist did but you're like this isn't like like this is missing the target so much it's funny and that's kind of how i feel about a lot of erotica um albino spider has that in some parts but it actually has an interesting story and this is uh like i said in the intro this is something that i think maybe i went too hard on that i think i i owe it a bit more credit and same with the movie that i think albino spider might be one of the better parts of veronica we'll have to read more to find out true but i think at the end of this i think right now that might be one of the books i bump up Ooh, okay next is ravage 2099 the book that i guess we made fun of a lot whenever we went comic book shopping because there are just piles of them everywhere yeah this book like it's still i still think about it once in a while especially when i'm like editing or like on our website yeah, like it's it's a book that I liked. Um, I still like the character. I like the setting. It feels very '90s in a good way, and I'd still recommend it to people. After reading it, I wasn't a huge fan, but I definitely thought it was it was not what I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be a very '90s extreme era comic book, and it has some of that. But the art was good, and it had kind of an interest, like nothing that I was too too into. But at least it had an interesting story. I still don't believe that Stan Lee created him or co-created him. Uh, he probably named it or so, I don't know. Yeah. Like, I'm sure they just said, like, Stan, can we put your name on this to help move it? I do think it it's a book that probably unfairly suffers from the fact of, like, when it came out during the whole, like... the ni- It was in the 90s boom. Yeah, it's like... Uh, and I know uh, a bunch of records did this at the same time, too. Instead of waiting for a book to sell a million copies, just print a million copies and then say, hey, we had to, it, it, it sold a million copies. And it's like, but it didn't. You just printed a million. There's like, I've seen them. Me and you have both physically laid eyes on uh, skids with long boxes, 12 long boxes, like uh, just full of issues of rat, like thousands. <laughs> like I've, I've personally laid eyes on probably 10,000 copies of Ravage 2099 in mint unopened unsold condition (laughs) and knowing full well this is how this book like this was how they decided to strike the market i hope that they do make a ravage movie for the mcu because then that book's value goes up i guess because that's what happens the speculators i don't even i think this book might be one of the only books in the history of time (laughs) i think this book might be for me the ultimate issue number one first appearance that will never have any value and it will never have like anything accredited to it it'll always just be a joke which after reading it now i kind of feel bad for because it's not terrible it's a fine comic yeah if you like 90s comics during that era it's not the worst it's far from the worst thing you'll ever read and i think the fact that they printed it with like a holofoil cover and called it issue number one first appearance blah blah collectors collectors item yeah it's already sold a million cop like all that just murdered it which is pretty unfortunate 
after that, we're moving up to Crystal Breeze, Volume 2, Number 1. I still like this comic. I liked it a lot, too. Yeah, um, I have a soft spot in my heart for black and white comics. I don't know, like, you don't need the color to make everything pop. You can still get good detail with black and white, as we're going to see in a little bit, like, with Accident Man, which was black and white. And sometimes you do get simplistic drawings and art from that, because there is very little detail, and it looks just like a couple lines making a face, and then, like, there's no shading, really. For the majority of comics, they're done in black and well now a lot of them are digital yeah but a lot of actual like uh pen and ink comics are done like doing inks over pencils so most of them are done as black and white comics and then are colored in after almost mostly by a completely different artist or art team that specializes in doing colors yeah you got the colors in there being like i'm gonna make this come to life and or i'd I'm be go- like no just make it black and white. or i'm going to murder this and it's completely true. hide everything and i think we're, we'll get to it in a minute but one of the best examples of that was when i showed you the difference uh in colorists in hard boiled yep which um, we, yeah we will get to that we will get to that but first um, crystal breeze speaking of murdering well, she murders somebody with her vagina yes so crystal breeze i think it definitely captures the art. It does have some weak points because I can almost guarantee that this comic, someone approached her or her representatives and said, comics are selling right now. We could get a comic, like for $15,000, we could get a comic on shelves and I can guarantee you it'll make $50,000. Like yeah. it, it'll be money. Just, it might not be a fortune, but it'll be something. And then she was like, let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. Um, as knowing, with almost certainty, knowing that that's how this was done, I think that the art is great and the story is pretty great. Like this is even, this reeks of cash grab. Oh, yeah. Um, but the art is good and the black and white, I, I think good. And it does kind of have this like trashy, pulpy kind of Sin City vibe, which I really liked. Next up is Dark Reign, the Cabal, a one-shot. I I read the full issue because you didn't tell me just to read the first story. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I, I still really enjoyed it. I Whenever you see um, a comic with Doctor Doom doing Doom things, and in this case it was just his imagination what he, or his daydreaming. Yeah. Like, yeah, this was a great story. You got to see like his inner mind thinking of like, how the fuck am I going to kill people? So I can be like the leader of the cabal yeah basically and yeah just him and namor talking and then daydreaming i this was a great issue and I'm, i was happy that i read it because i have not read any dark rain comics even though i do own a few yeah i think dark rain was an interesting enough crossover especially i think it might almost warrant going back and rereading it especially after having uh like the four years of the trump administration Ugh. because I definitely get, you kind of almost get Trump vibes off of the way that Norman Osborn is portrayed in those comics, where he's supposed to be like, even though he's like the head of the Avengers, he's supposedly, he's almost like the president. Like he's viewed as like one of the most important people in the world. And just seeing him snap at like how he's portrayed in the media and whatever any anyone's critical of him, seeing how like him just losing his mind over it. I think you could almost, I think there's a lot of parallels to draw there, but I really love Addy Granov art and I love Granov doing suits. So I think him doing like a Doctor Doom and uh, Iron Patriot 
looked really great. And same thing, my biggest draw was I'm a huge Doctor Doom fan. And it's it's just what is because he's so he has such like delusions of grandeur. It's literally what's going on in his brain, like like how he's perceiving the events of Dark Reign. And it's just such a great take because he's such a lunatic. Uh, Moving on after that, we have Bad Mother issue number one. I still struggle with the art from this one. Mm hmm. Uh, the page layout was great, which I, I guess um, in all the AWA books, a lot of them have that similar structure with uh, the tile style of it. But yeah, like the story, like it, it seemed okay. Well, funny enough, the artist for Bad Mother number one uh, is the same artist who did the majority of the art for the Dark Rain, Marvel Dark Rain books. Yeah. So I think it's funny that we kind of put them side by side because that, you're right, it was kind of an issue I had with Bad Mother as well was it kind of had some less than stellar art that I don't know. I don't, I wouldn't attribute it, attribute it to the art more than I would the coloring because I kind of think that it was, it had a process done over top of the inks when they were handed in, which I wasn't a huge fan of. I, I'm trying to remember, I think the issue we both had was there was like a blood effect. Oh, yeah, that looked like they took the MS paint spray can yeah and just did right over it like yeah there's no definition to it. it looked like shit which i think now that i've sat with it i think what they it were still trying... looks like shit <laughs> well it does it doesn't look great but i think the effect they were going for was they almost wanted it to look like the art wasn't representing blood spat splatter it was that there was blood splatter on top of the art like the like when someone gets shot in the head it's not going to show blood on the it's not going to show blood in the panel it's going to show blood on the panel i think that's what they were going for now that i think about it and it just didn't really work like it's not what i it's not kind of how i interpreted it when i first saw it but i i am almost in i like i said i saw the trade of it in a store the other day and i was in a rush but i was actually thinking about going back and picking it up because i am curious to see where the story goes yeah i'm not (laughs) no fair and fair enough after that we're going up to a comic i recommended called the homeless g-men issue number one i still like this one this is a recent one yeah super fun aishihan did like i'll say reach out because we we posted it we we linked his name to it and then he did thank us for talking about the comic and yeah like you have the first two issues, I think, and he said that there were three in total. Yes. Yeah, so you're going to have to look for that third one so you can complete the series and, of yeah, the Homeless G-Men. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd like to. I, I definitely, I enjoyed the art in it. I enjoyed the ridiculous storyline in it. I didn't know that that was the first comic he ever did. Neither did I. It's a, as far as it being like a first comic, I think it's great. Yeah. <laughs> um, we'll have to get in touch with him. Maybe we'll see if we can get a PDF of issue three and or a cbz file or file or whatever it's called and uh we should do issue two. Oh, for sure right in the future i don't know if you've noticed this but this is kind of now a hard line uh homeless g-men and bad mother are kind of at a hard line in our comics you started bringing in some absolutely ridiculous books just to get me to read them <laughs> and then i think now this is kind of Actually, to come to think of it, I think I picked Homeless G-Men because I pulled it out of your yeah, box. Yeah, you, you picked it. Yeah. But now we're getting into books um, that we were actually 
recommending for one another that we were like instead of you being like check out what i found it was actually like hey i I found something i think you might like so the next book we have is the atour yeah this um this is another recent one actually this is the most recent i think this is the last comic we did of the year which yeah it's um it's great um i love the art style i love the story just how it talks about how producers are in hollywood even though it's not realistic but yeah, like everything about this book I loved. Um, I know that this was a little, this was higher on my list than yours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's... Well, I, I recommended this book. Like, it's, this is like what I mean is when I picked this book, I picked it knowing that I was excited for you to read it because I thought it was like something you'd be interested in. So I'm actually very happy that when we read or when you read this, that you rated it so high because I was hoping that I could show you something you would really be interested in as opposed to when you made me read uh, <laughs> any, of the, any of the ones before yeah. that where you were just like, check this out. So next up is Accident Man number one, which was my pick as well. And yeah, yeah um, it's funny when I was at Comic Alley, Martin asked me, he's like, hey, Adam, while you're there, look for Accident Man for me. They only had issue one and two, which I'm just like, they always have, well, I, I bought mine mm-hmm. from them. So like, I assume they have issue three in a box somewhere. But yeah, this was a book that caught caught me by surprise of how fun it was. I said, we're going to do Accident Man. I read it and I'm like, holy shit, Cody's going to love this because it's amazing. And it is an amazing book. Some of the art does get a little off at some parts, but for the most part, like it's amazing. From the plot of him being an assassin, which every assassination has to look like an accident, was different from what I thought it was going to be. And in the future, we're still planning on watching the Accident Man movie. Oh yeah, we will be for sure. Yeah, but yeah, this this was a great book and I still recommend it. I love this book too. It's kind of got like the Crystal Breeze vibes where oh, yeah. this book has, going by the covers, it ha- this book has some great uh, Chaykin covers. I kind of thought it was a gimmick. They somehow got Chaykin to do three covers and the covers are very similar so I, you almost get the vibe of they got shaken to do one cover <laughs> that they were like, just kind of riff off one cover. But no, the, the, I, I didn't realize that this was a Pat Mills book from 2000 AD. I really liked the story. I thought it was really fun. And it kind of has this like great trashy vibe to it that like Crystal Breeze has as well. Yeah, it's really like trashy and pulpy. And I, and I loved it. I'm really glad that you picked it. Up next is a book that you picked trade paperback which i loved as well which is terror assaulter mm-hmm. this one yeah the art is amazing everyone kind of looks like a low res low polygon action figure and they, they kind of move like it all the lines from it are just fucking crazy he's like i'm gonna punch you in the face and guy's like you're not gonna punch me in the face and he punches him in the face it's yeah too late i'm punching you in the face yeah and this was by a canadian from nova scotia no wait was it nova scotia uh, I think so. Maybe New Brunswick. Yeah, we we don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> but yeah, this was a great one. Uh, this is at the very top of my list. And this was number six for you. So I'm surprised because yeah, this was a favorite of mine. I can't say that I found this book. We were in BMV in Toronto and my girlfriend found the book and she kind of flipped through it being like, this is ridiculous. And she just saw like a few panels and she was like, Cody's going to want to read this. So she bought it for me. Yeah, it just blew my mind. And I immediately was like, I think either Adam's going to read this and say this is the worst book he's ever read in his life or Adam's going to read this and be like, no comic has ever 
surpassed the the bar that uh one man terror assaulter has set next up is my pick which is apparently an expensive comic and i read it once a long time ago and then i reread it for the podcast which is x-woman done by milo i'm gonna butcher the last name manara 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 yeah i had i know who milo is not more so through like kind of the trashy stuff that you show me which I love, but I was not really aware that he had done, like, Marvel work. So you had always told me about this book, and you'd, you, you're you like, I have a copy of this book. and then you, We saw it at... We've seen it at a bunch of stores. C- CBA, Comic Book Addiction, like, in their glass cabinet. Not yeah. a CGC book, and it's like $80. I'm like, yeah. I bought that for like $1.50. Yeah, like, you've, you've always pointed it out just being like, hey, that's that Milo X-Men book that I bought for cheap, and finally you got me to sit down and read it and yeah reading this now that it sat with me it kind of points out a lot of why x-men fails when other people take on like an x-men book or movie and i think what's great about the x-men because i think milo does a great job and i think i remember a big thing that i loved about this was kind of like how excited he was to put the characters into different costumes and like have the character like you know what i mean and I thought that was, I thought it was great because a lot of X-Men stuff kind of gets lost into the whole, let's not give them personalities, let's just give them costumes so they're easy to point out and go, there's that one, there's the yellow one, there's the white one, there's the blue one, there's the red one. And I thought that by Milo not being afraid to like, because what they crash their plane, right? They're on like a vacation and then they crash and they're stranded on an island for a bit it feels like it's been forever since i've read this now (laughs) yeah but he's not afraid to have them like in their costumes and then immediately like out of their costumes like kind of in rags when they're like stranded on this like jungle island back into or no they're in like swimsuits and then they're in like basically rags when they're stranded on the island and then by the end of it they're in their actual like uh x-men costume uniform thing and i i thought that was like a a great touch i really liked how it was him not being afraid to be like because i think a lot of artists get scared of being like well if i don't put them in their costume they're just going to get lost in the background like this is what makes them pop and milo was like no man put them in i want to see them in bikinis and then i want to see them in like like burlap sacks when like the people (laughs) take them in on the island and i thought it was great Next comic up is Judge Death, Young Death, Boyhood of a Super Fiend. Yeah, this is one I read. This is a book I had always heard about that I never found a copy of. And I don't know if they reprint. I think it's had one reprint. I bought one of the original printings of it when I was in Hungary. And I loved it. I like it. It's everything that's like, and I, I know right now Judge Death's kind of having like a bit of a moment in 2080 like there's a lot of judge death focused stories and they're right now there's like a huge because the the they call the world he comes from dead world right now or for the last couple of years 2080 has been doing like ongoing books about like the fall of dead world like what happened to judge death's home world but this one kind of I think is the best. It's just him telling his own origin story. It has like all the great unreliable narrator tropes of him telling the story, thinking that he's the hero of his story, but he's like the ultimate <laughs> villain. Yeah, this one, this was the first Judge 
Dread slash Death comic that I read. And it gave me a, a good sense of how that universe is, what the art style is going to be like. And I, I really enjoyed it. And it makes me want to read more Judge Dread books. But I think I'd have to find like a trade paperback that has a condensed story rather than reading just like, what are they called? Progs. Progs, yeah. yeah. Progs from just the 20,000 AD issues instead of reading one by one by one. And and they have done that. Like I have a couple Judge Dredd trades that collect the actual, because the way that 2080 is released, it's released in a magazine format where you're only getting a couple pages of like everything's done in a few pages. And then you wait till next month or is it next week or next month's issue to come out to see the next little bit of the story so there's like always four stories going on at once in a 2000 ad magazine there are collections of like just let's take an actual judge dread story and like condense it to a trade paperback and make it more readable to people that are more accustomed to like north american comics uh, number three is a book I recommended called Godzilla, The Half-Century War. Yeah, this one, I love the art. I think my biggest complaint was there's so much reading. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which for a comic book, like I know it sounds so stupid. It, it reminded me of the Godzilla movies that I won't say I didn't like, that I didn't enjoy the most, which had lots of talking between the humans. Where like, I just want to watch a monster fucking destroy shit. <laughs> the book was great. The art was great. That was Stoko? Yeah. yeah, written and drawn by Stoko. Yeah, and I, I enjoyed the artwork. I just wish it didn't focus so much on the humans. And I wish... It, I know it's hard because the monsters don't talk and it's hard to convey a story with them. But it was a good take on the Godzilla theme following those characters through time, which is why it's called the Half Century War. Yeah, I think... I Like, you're right. Like, most people do watch or read Godzilla stuff just to see the monsters fighting or the cities get destroyed. But I think there is, like, a fine line of, like, if you don't have humans there to, like, for the reader to, like, uh, empathize with or, like, to have them as, like, the, the character to, like, kind of insert yourself as, you kind of get these really awful comics where they try to give Godzilla a personality where I think Godzilla movies and comics are at their best when he is literally just a hurricane coming to shore. Like he's just a walking disaster that can't be stopped. I think that's where it works best. And I think it does, there has to be some sort of human character for there to be a story to have like, if you do like a, you could do like a one shot Godzilla comic where uh, there is no central human character to focus on and it's just little stories of like what's going on in the city when godzilla is tearing through it but i think to do like a a full-on trade especially one where each issue is kind of jumping 10 years in the future you do need to have like one central character with like an actual developing storyline yeah this one if they had gotten the mothra twins to be narrators I think that uh, could have worked. Yeah. But like if it was just they're the ones who are talking and they're telling you the story of what's happening. I think that could have worked. But yeah, like this is still a great book. Next up is Hard Boiled, not to be confused with the movie of the same name, which has nothing to do with this. No. This was a great all-in-one story of a detective cop. Who's a de- detective, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, thinking that he was human, but he was really a robot. Spoilers. And just seeing how that world works. And I don't know if... um. 
That was, who did this one? This was written by Frank Miller uh, and, and drawn uh, by right. Jeff Darrow. Yeah, so the art in this is great. The story is great. Did they ever expand on this? Or was this like the only story for that world? Uh, this was the only story for that world. There is, I, I always say I'm going to buy it and then I never get around to it. There is a PlayStation 1 hard-boiled game, but I think it came out in... I don't know. It wasn't a very successful game, I can tell you that. I don't even know who the publisher was, but I know that it has a little bit more insight into it, and I think it had some work. It had some additional input in the game from Frank Miller and Jeff Darrow, so I was always curious just to check it out to see what it does have in it. But no, Jeff Darrow will put, uh, I think his name, the protagonist's name's Nixon, He'll put kind of Nixon in some drawings. Like if you look in the background of some Jeff Darrow art, you'll see like Nixon in the background. Or But there's never been a sequel to Hard Boiled. There's always, for years now, there's been um, the Wachowskis were tied to doing a Hard Boiled movie. I was going to say that's very similar to the robots from The Matrix. Just with you saying it, where... Well, that's the guy who designed the robots in The Matrix is Jeff Darrow. Fuck me. Sorry. Um... <laughs> You have, well, I I won't say design them, but uh, Jeff Darrow did tons of concept art for The Matrix, which you definitely like looking at the concept art and then looking at other Jeff Darrow work, you definitely see like the connections. But with this, there's always been a rumor of the Wachowskis adapting it. There was also, I think there was supposed to be an animated hard boiled movie with Harvey Weinstein attached. Uh. Same with uh, Shaolin Cowboy. And I think right now as it stands, somebody, I believe somebody right now owns the rights to it to make the movie. It's kind of stuck in development hell. The last thing that's always attached to it is that, um, what's the actor's name who played uh, Loki in the Marvel movies? The British guy. I don't know. All I know is he looks like Tommy Wiseau. His name's Tom... Middleton? Hiddleston? Hiddleston? Anyways, anytime I see any update about this as a movie, his name's attached as, like, starring in it. Why? Why not? It's just a guy. Like, it's just supposed to be a guy. Uh, I was gonna say, get, um, get Hellboy to do it. Ron Perlman? You want Ron Perlman to be Nixon? Yeah, I do. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Just some stocky, like, thick man. Yeah, but I don't... Jason Alexander. Oh my god, Jason Alexander is Nixon (laughs) in Hard Boiled. (laughs) But yeah, like, this is... And it's the same with... uh, I was going to compare it to the uh, legendary Akira live-action movie that has apparently been in development for the last 20 fucking years. I was going to say, we got that movie. It's called Chronicle. Yeah. But, like, that movie that is, like, everyone's name's been attached to it, and then whatever. At one point, Leonardo DiCaprio's name was attached to it. That's a very, how can we whitewash this movie? Oh, and and that's... I do not want to do that. So I know DiCaprio's name was attached to it, and and same, I think, I'm trying to remember who else. With that said, of all the, like, the white actors, I saw the Ghost in the Shell movie. I thought it wasn't that bad. No, No, it wasn't terrible, but, yeah. Yeah, uh, DiCaprio was attached to it, and then it went to, I think Keanu Reeves was attached to it at some point, and then people were like, oh, if Keanu Reeves is attached to it, then does that mean the Wachowskis are going to do it? And then 
the last I've heard is Taika Watiki, who did one of the Thor movies. He did and Thor and Jojo Rabbit. Jojo Rabbit. Those are only the two movies I know he's done. Yeah, well, I know he's done um, stuff with like Jermaine Clement, like the comedians from like Australia and New Zealand. I know he's done work with them, but now you're right. He's like a uh, like a big shot director now. <laughs> His name's been attached to it, and I remember if you look it up, uh, one of the last updates was that he was either supposed to be directing or producing it and that he had said if they make it it's going to be an all Japanese cast movie like Good. it's it's going to be an actual adaptation but he also I think in the same interview he also said he doesn't want to adapt the movie he wants to adapt the comic book which is the comic goes like completely off the rails compared to the movie like the comic has a complete uh japanese civil war in it between like the japanese government and its citizens and the rest of the world and uh, yeah the, the comic is wild and whenever you hear someone say well actually i want to adapt the comic it's kind of like how many movies do you want to make seven yeah like dude like at some point you're going and it is kind of scary when you hear people say stuff like that because it's like it would be nice to do that in an ideal world but the comic exists and you can go and read the comic and the comic's been re-released several times so it's not that hard to get your hands on a copy of akira and see how its creator intended it to read out so when you see someone say like i actually want to make a movie that's like a complete adaptation of the finished work that's already created it's like well kind of why like you almost get the point of like why not make it kind of like a bite-sized version of that or something that like you can actually sit down and watch in a theatrical runtime as opposed to like we're going to make it a you know a seven season long tv show and it's like it's just you know you don't have to like you can make it a movie it's okay yeah the last comic on the list is the death of haggard west yeah which is uh paul pope comic that i recommended to you uh i know i rated it quite a bit higher than you i really like this comic i really like the battling boy world that he created my understanding of it was it was supposed to be kind of an ongoing creator-owned world that he was going to be doing and i was excited for that to see where he was going with this story death of haggard west literally is just kind of like a slice it's just a one issue comic from the very beginning of battling boy which was released as an actual gra it wasn't released as issues it was released in one graphic novel as like marketed as volume one there has been no follow-up to the battling boy stuff which for me is kind of frustrating because it's like my understanding was this was supposed to be you know the first bit and then maybe in a year or two you would see the second issue like the second story or volume that never happened yeah so anyways i know that uh, i see updates every once in a while that he's like i think at one point he came out and said how many pages he had completed from the second volume of battling boy but i've never seen any more info on that and then at one point he came out and said he was going to I'm trying to remember exactly how he said it. He said he was going to resell unsold issues of THB, which was a, one of his original comics. Yeah. That apparently he was sitting on boxes of originals that he had kept when the book was published. 
that he was going to sell them through a website called worldofthb.com. That never materialized. And then at another point, he had announced he was going to re-release THB, which is a black and white comic. He was going to re-release it colorized. And then there's been no information on that as <laughs> as well. <laughs> and it's the same with going back to uh, um, when we were talking about Akira Otomo, the guy who uh, wrote and illustrated Akira. He said like a bunch of similar stuff too a couple of years ago. He said that they were going to re-release it colorized and that they were going to he was also coming out with a series of stories that took place in the Akira world that were like side stories, and none of that has materialized. Yeah. For Haggard West, I, I really enjoyed the book. I thought it was neat to get a, a, just a glimpse in this, this world superhero that wasn't there long enough for me to get attached to, but I, I want to know more story. And I'm surprised he hasn't done like a prequel series of just Haggard West. Like, hey, here's all of his adventures before you first get to meet him. Yeah, well, he... Paul Pope wrote them. There was two books that are kind of prequels to Battling Boy, but they don't so much focus on Haggard West. They focus on his daughter, like, taking up the mantle. But they they weren't illustrated by Pope. They were done by somebody else. And they're not bad, but it's just... I. I remember reading Battling Boy and my understanding was this was going to be like a Paul Pope universe book. And then like kind of seeing how books came out in the universe done by different art teams. Mm -hmm. And then Paul Pope never went back and revisited it. It was kind of frustrating. So this brings us to the point of this episode where we get to re-rank two things. The rule that we came up with was one thing under the top 10 can be put up, one thing above the top 10 can be moved down. Yes. The thing above the top 10 doesn't have to be put down under the top 10, just rearranged anywhere you like. Yes. But obviously the thing under the top 10, we the have to bring idea, up. Yeah, the idea is to bring it up. All right, so I'm going to do the thing from the bottom first. I am going to move up Ravage 2099. This guy. So Ravage 2099, I am going to put that as my new number my new number eight so it's not going too too high but i do feel that it deserves a little bit more now with that said by bringing something down which i'm going to do this could actually bump ravage up to number seven if it's above that mark which it is not i (laughs) (laughs) which it's not (laughs) i am going to bring down Bad Mother from number... It's currently number 10. So that was a comic that I believe... I feel that's too high on my list. And I'm just taking off my top 10. The comic that I'm going to be bringing out from the bottom is going to be Crystal Breeze. Yes. And the comic that I'll be taking down from the top 10 that I kind of, on second thought, maybe I'll bump it down a bit, I'm going to put as Bad Mother Oh, as well. see? Look at that. So we both had the same opinion of Bad Mother. Yeah, just not that it's it's not a bad comic. It's no. just a Bad Mother. <laughs> yeah, just it, the art in Bad Mother and kind of the story, it didn't really grab me as far as... I, like, I, I, I was a little bit curious because I thought we were going to be reading it as an ongoing, and then we never did, and I never really even gave that second thought, being like, hey, are we ever going to read vol- uh, issue two of that book? It just kind of, I had no desire to. Where, where are you putting Crystal Breeze? I'm going to put Crystal Breeze at number nine, which is going to bump down Homeless G-Men to issue ten, Ooh. or uh, to number ten. Well, I know that we said that we were going to do 
the movies on this episode. Guess what? I'm lying. You're going to have to wait till <gasps> next week. Oh, my God. Awesome. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I hope you enjoyed us. I guess, like, having a trip down memory lane for TV shows and comics. And please, yeah, tune in next week for the movies. Yeah. Thanks for listening. As always, you can find us online through our social media accounts on Twitter and Instagram, both at a kind of garbage. You can also email us at a kind of garbage at gmail.com with any questions or comments you may have. Be sure to check us out at a kind of where you can find links to our Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube pages, as well as our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash a kind of garbage, where you can get access to our private Discord channel and Patreon exclusive podcasts. Thank you again for joining us and be sure to tune in next time.